Welcome to the Standardized Patients Podcast. I am your host and grapheme color synesthete, Katie Culligan. In this podcast, we dive into the who, what, why, and huh of this quirky industry that no one's ever heard of. Now, what's a standardized patient, you may ask? A standardized patient is a... Somebody who pretends to be sick for med students to practice history taking, physical maneuvers, and treating the patient like a human and not like a checklist. Boom. Thank you, Tyler. All right. That is Tyler Herman. He is our guest today. Thank you so much for being here and for that lovely summary of what an SP is. Now, Tyler is an actor, a husband, a director, a doggy daddy, a teacher, a brother, and a proud Cancerian born and raised in the lands not ceded by the Nakach tank peoples that is currently known as Silver Spring, Maryland. He is currently recovering from a pandemic. (laughs) and teaching with Ford's Theater, Imagination Stage, the Mandira School, and also, of course, does SP work as well. Tyler plays board games with his friends and wife, partner in crime, Sarah, and adorable Papishan Covey. Welcome, Tyler. I know you pretty well. We have toured together. Yes. Um, We played sibling. Actually, one of my favorite stories is like (laughs) the fact that Tyler and I, we toured for a while together on stage and we played siblings on stage and then we get back from tour and then like literally a week later, we played husband and wife in a commercial. (laughs) Which I can't tell you. This is like a silly, you know, 20 second commercial. And I have cousins like from all over calling me like, I saw you on TV. I want to buy that car. <laughs> Ooh, then you did your job. They did, they did their job by hiring you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty impressive. I love that. I remember with some of those commercials, I've been out at bars like in other towns, you know, this is years ago too, of course. Cause like when we did this, I was 2014, you know, you're just like watching a hockey game and all of a sudden like there's your face, <laughs> like <laughs> smiling and trying to sell a car. Well, my favorite is going on the metro and seeing your face. Oh, that's true. Which, you know, here's the irony is that I did a metro ad a while ago and apparently got a lot of screen time on the DC metro that people were seeing it every day, apparently. <laughs> and ironically, I never at that point in my life, I wasn't riding the metro. So I literally never saw it on the metro. <laughs> now I saw it, of course. I was able to get a hold of the footage. I kind of feel bad. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> a lot of people were just like, oh, there's Katie again. Oh dear, she's drinking that coffee. It's like her. SP work. It's like, oh, are you a doctor? No, I play one on TV. Oh, do you <laughs> ride the Metro? No, but I play one on TV. It's true. It's true. So speaking of SP work, let's talk about like, how did you get into SP work, Tyler? You know, I've been hearing about SP work for a long time. I was in DC acting and then I went to grad school and then I came back and I had heard of it as this sort of like mythical, amazing side job that I should get <laughs> before grad school. But I was, I just was had other things going on and da, da, da. And I came back and my dear friend, Drew Kobus, who I mm. think was on your podcast. Mm-hmm. He's such a lovely friend. And mm-hmm. we try to like hook each other up with work when we can. And we were working together. And he said, yada, 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 I'm working at all these schools. And I was like, I've heard of this. And he was like, you've got to do it. It's really flexible. You're helping medical students do the real work. It's also a fun creative outlet. It really is the best of all worlds for a freelance artist. And I began working at a couple schools and I fell in love. That's awesome. So do you know around how many years ago you started that? Gosh, I, I think it was the fall of 2018. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Time flies. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Drew, of course. (laughs) Listeners might be interested to know that Drew and I look similar, Mm, like white guy in our like 20s, 30s with curly hair. So we (laughs) always get called in for shows together, which is how we first became friends. But like being like, oh, yeah, like if I'm doing this work, then you should do this work. If I'm getting called in, you, oh, I mean, you and I totally. 
<laughs> we've definitely gotten confused for each other, not only in rehearsal rooms, but also at some of these schools. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe someday you guys could play a partner encounter where you get to play like brothers or twins or something. <gasps> Wouldn't that be fun? Yes. <laughs> We should write that in. I, I'd like to create that case <laughs> for you. So speaking of like partner encounters and acting, our topic for today is difficult patient. So playing and being a difficult patient for standardized patient encounters. Now, what this means is these particular cases focus typically more on interpersonal skills and communication skills rather than necessarily just the medical portion of it. So it could be anywhere from an angry patient, terse patient, a patient with no boundaries, a patient who's too talkative, a patient who's just kind of upset, maybe crying, emotional, an annoyed patient, a very closed off, shy patient, uh, like a teenager, maybe they're with their mother or, or parent and they don't want to open up in front of the doctor while their parent is there or something in that nature. But Tyler, tell me about your experience with being a difficult patient. It is one of the most fun things that I do as an SP. I truly love teaching the maneuvers and following the rules but as a chaos muppet myself <laughs> trying to find those opportunities to not teach but like run by example the other parts of sping is delightful yeah so there's there's like two roles that i've done fairly often that like fall into this category that i have a good time with so one of them is in the context that in one of the schools i'm not just a standardized patient but a standardized patient instructor Mm -hmm. which means that I'm not just going in the room and doing the role, but I'm also giving them feedback and instructing them in maneuvers and diagnostic analysis. There's one case where we've spent the entire like semester so far building the skills. And it is the first time that these students encounter a case. And they're told that this person is old and has a fever, you know, and they're going to try to assess what's going on. And it is a favorite among uh, all the SPs in this particular school because the instructions for the instructor, like us, is to kind of be out of it, confused, and just run the gamut of like emotions. Our instructor sometimes will try to like, will sometimes try to put in like talking about his cat during it or having momentary meaningful eye contact. I've definitely just sort of spontaneously like cried or laughed while being in the room. <laughs> and and the goal is for the students who at this point are just have just practiced the maneuvers have to work together to really like deal with this person. And mm -hmm. I harp on consent maneuvers and how to really like engage with your patient in a partnering way. And then they come in their first case as somebody who's just like practically falling off the table and sputtering nonsense and <laughs> not listening to commands. You know, like, can you roll over? Uh, oh, what? Uh... <laughs> and watching their faces go like, ah, what do I, I don't know. <laughs> what do one, we of do? My one of my students once would just like held my hand and was like, it's okay. Uh, it's going to be okay. And I looked at them and I went, thank you, Daisy. <laughs> like, no. That's amazing. Did, did, how did they respond to that? Did they go with it? Their name wasn't Daisy. Of um, course. <laughs> uh, they were just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a fun time. It is. And I do know which case you're talking about, and I could not agree more. <laughs> it is a really, it's wild because it just feels like you're pulling a prank, even though we're literally <laughs> taught to do this and it's for a reason, but it feels like we're pranking these students. Yeah. But it's important because the truth is there's always a reason why we do these types of patients in any way because the students will encounter them in real life. And you never know if you walk into that room as a doctor or a med student what you're going to see. 
you know, you might see somebody like laying on the ground because they passed out. You might see somebody that, yeah, can't really respond to basic commands or is sputtering nonsense or calling you Daisy. <laughs> you just never know. And I find it's a really good middle ground because sometimes you have older doctors come in, older, like, experienced yeah. more experienced and they say you know you'll go into go into rooms in the er and your your patients are going to be unconscious and you have to just like move their limbs around to get the things you need mm -hmm. and so i feel like my job is to be like oh you should always ask permission da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. and this case in particular is a great middle ground because she is not responsive but if you roughhouse her or just move her around she will respond negatively mm -hmm. it keeps them like on their toes yeah yeah i that is it's such a great teaching point and it's also just fun so yeah <laughs> to see how they try yeah do they just give up and stop trying to get consent or do they you know keep the whole time say like hey you know just patient's name um can we are you all right if we do this and i uh remember from the past year i'll say seeing a photo of of you doing this <laughs> because we were for our listeners we were online we were doing this virtually and i think it was done as different standardized patient instructors did it different ways and i think tyler really really got into character and we were lucky enough to uh, get a little glimpse of what was going on and in his breakout room if you will <laughs> so yeah <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do <laughs> yeah. if, if you're not giving them the experience what's it for Exactly. So there's that one. And there's another one that you do and you enjoy doing? Yes, yes. This one, I'm on like the short list. Whenever they do this case, I'm always there for it. And I love this case. Usually when you get a case, your packet of information's like two to four pages of some history and background and how to respond to certain physical maneuvers. Mm -hmm. And this course packet's like 12 pages. Ooh. This patient is a paranoid schizophrenic and it's intense. There is intense personal backstory in terms of like history of my life and how when symptoms may have started arising and how I've reacted to certain things, why I've dropped out of school and how I respond to my parents and what are my eating habits and this and that. But then also a really thick part of the packet describing how paranoid schizophrenics respond to certain stimulus. Mm. What is our physical affect? What's our verbal affect? What's our emotional affect? How do we respond to certain stimuli? This is one of those cases where if they ask you um, certain questions, you respond very literally. The question is like, what is the expression, don't throw stones at a glass house mean? Mm -hmm. My response would be, why would you throw a rock at a house made of glass? That makes no sense. <laughs> very literal. And there's a lot of talk about where's my eye contact. Mm. And it's like, it should be very distracted, except for moments of intense piercing eye contact. Oh. Or moments where I feel like there's something in the room and I'm suspiciously eyeing that. And there's oh. physical tics. And there's this incredibly complex backstory of a code that I've detected from documents at work that's some cross between the movie A Beautiful Mind and the movie Pi. It's okay. Like, and I'm responding to certain questions and answers in that regard. And so this really is someone to get in character to. And when we do this encounter, we'll have a full day, but only do it three or four times mm. because instead of the normal like 10 yeah. or 12 because it's so emotionally draining mm -hmm. really yeah intense <laughs> to it say is. the least yeah and one of the intense parts is like most cases you're supposed to be cooperative with the doctors you know they ask you to do something you do it but you are allowed and sometimes encouraged to be challenging or difficult with this patient mm -hmm. for instance i don't want to disclose information about my personal life to the doctors mm -hmm. you know i'm worried about it and there's this big clause where if you know everything's confidential 
between patient and doctor mm -hmm. unless there is an intent to harm oneself or others, mm -hmm. which this patient reveals that they have. Oh, um, ooh, tricky. Yeah. Yeah. And through like a very specific question and answer, like, I won't just answer yes, actually. I'll answer like no if they ask once and if they ask a second time. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. And then if I say, like, if I've revealed this information, it's the doctor's responsibility to sort of be like, oh, okay, well, like, I have to tell this to somebody else now. But yeah. if the doctor brings that up only at the end of the encounter, then it's kind of talk about paranoid. You feel like, what? I just confided all this stuff in you. Ooh. And I can get upset. One time, oh my gosh, Katie, one time a doctor in training at the end of the encounter was like, great, thank you for all this. You know, I'm going to talk to somebody and I feel like we're going to need to admit you to the to the hospital. Oh, we're have no. to. And I was like, what? And I talk about piercing eye contact. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, you know, we're going to give you the best care we can. And I was like, absolutely not. No, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. And I got up out of my chair and I like backed into the corner and I was yelling at them. Oh, wow. And then over the loudspeaker, the time for this encounter has ended. Please leave the room. <laughs> and then, did they just leave the room? They were like, what? And then, you know, they had feedback with them where I was like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> I got to be normal and be like, oh, hi. So how was that? <laughs> How'd you feel about that? Kind of. Wow. So was that particular encounter, was that the most intense you've had to react in that situation with that particular character? That's the most aggressive I've acted. There have also been times when I get very sad, mm -hmm. um, right? When they start talking about like, we have to put you on medication and have to see you all these times doing calibration in my head. Like, no, these don't bust my boundaries, but I'm certainly not happy about it. You know, like, can I go back to work? I don't think so, you know, mm. like, and then I allow myself to, to be sad with them and, and plead with them and beg for my autonomy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, that's intense. <laughs> yeah. And a great acting exercise, quite literally. Well, and you know, I'm sure you talk about this in other episodes too. Acting is not a, a monolith. It's not like these cases are the same way they are every single time we do them. It depends mm -hmm. on the doctor and it depends on me. Mm -hmm. You know, how um, you're feeling that day. Yeah. Honestly, Katie, some of the days I've come in and I maybe haven't gotten the best night's sleep. I'm more vulnerable, more raw, and I'm, I go for the ride on my emotions a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and I, even in one day, like in the first encounter, I'll be a little bit more detached. And then like, I'll be angry in the next encounter and then sad. Mm -hmm. and then more compliant in the last encounter. It it's strange, but it, it makes sense because you are human. Yeah, while you are portraying a character, you're still experiencing not only how is that student doctor communicating with you, so that's a variable, but then it's your own variable of how are you feeling as Tyler today? And that, and I think a lot of schools are really wonderful about communicating as they train us. Go with what you're feeling. For instance, if somebody's breaking bad news, which sounds like this is a little bit of that to some extent. Oh, I've got um, another one of those. Yeah that like sometimes you're going to get really upset sometimes you're going to be really uh, pulled back sometimes you're going to cry sometimes you're not going to cry you know and I think a lot of schools are really wonderful about saying don't push the tears if you don't are not feeling it be authentic because the truth is that every patient is different and every day is different and students need to understand that you know the variables are so wildly different every day depending on a variety of factors so i think that's a wonderful way to look at it and also helps you live in the moment and be authentic and i, I can vouch you're a very talented actor so i would love to be a fly on the wall for these encounters let me tell you because i have not done one of those types i've done other difficult oh, yeah. patients but um that would be a really interesting one to watch 
watch, well, to do for sure, but also to watch. And so I imagine these students get a lot out of it. I think so. And one of the greatest compliments I get is that I'll go for feedback with these learners and they say, you know, I've worked with paranoid schizophrenic patients and you really nailed it. <laughs> and I, I've never met anybody who's paranoid schizophrenic. So I've just done my research and watched some videos, but like, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, wow, really? And they go, yeah, they're, they're variable. They're volatile. You know, you really don't know what to expect. They're also not a monolith. Actually, it, this is a, a random little story, but it just applies so directly. Many years ago, I did a, a murder mystery show in the DC area. It was a lot of fun. I got to improv a lot. I, I enjoyed that. And I did not realize this one night that Paul from Peter, Paul and Mary, that Paul, oh. <laughs> um, who I didn't know as a, as a human or I didn't know what he looked like. Of course, I know the music was at the performance. I thought I was doing maybe like a little caricature to be entirely honest, because a comedic improv. But afterwards, I was playing this paranoid schizophrenic and I got to have fun with it and be wild. He comes up to me. Again, I do not know who this person is. And I'm just saying hey to the audience. And he goes, you know, I really loved how you portrayed this character. And then he goes, been there, done that, uh... <laughs> and laughs. And I was like, <laughs> And then afterwards, they're like, you know who that was? <laughs> and I think because I'm not calling him a paranoid schizophrenic by any means, but I think he was talking about just kind of the wildness of what I was portraying. So that always makes me laugh. And I didn't know until after he left who that was. But he had a real fun to it. I wish I got to do more difficult patient ones, honestly, because I think those can be for sure draining, like you were talking about, yeah. but also really, really fun. The one that I remember playing years ago, and it sounds like the one that you've been doing is more one-on-one. -on -one, is that correct? That's one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. Yeah, which is great. I remember doing a small group setting where I was training for a marathon and I had tripped and hurt myself and I was in the hospital and, you know, and I had had to repeat my story multiple times to multiple different doctors. And so by the time that the student is seeing me and interviewing me, I'm explaining it for the fourth time. And I am just so frustrated because I'm not going to be able to run this race. And I'm like, why isn't, why do I have to keep telling the story? I just want to figure out how I can get this fixed. And like my whole plans for the fall or whatever are ruined. And I get to really lash out at this poor student and not really yeah. saying like, I'm sorry that I'm taking it out on you. I'm just angry. It's more of that. You got to be kidding me. And that can be kind of cathartic and fun because we never get to do that. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of another case that I did where it's a delivering bad news case mm. and it's one on one. But my son is there and my son is a dummy on a bed. So okay. yeah. talk about fun acting challenges. <laughs> yeah. And the case is that the hospital's messed up, that they didn't notice the allergy on the form. So my right. So it was something simple that turned into some crazy allergic reaction. And they tell me they're going to airlift my son to another hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's tough. And it's don't shoot the messenger. But this person's like, I, I you know, it's not my fault. I, like, I wasn't on the team that did it. I'm not on the team that's making this decision. And yet here I am talking mm -hmm. to you. And that is for me, like bouncing between that rage, like what my son and I put my hand on this you know, plastic dummy's head, like, <laughs> like he's, you know, having this reaction right now. And you're telling me that you and your team messed up and you have to bring him to somewhere else. Mm. And I don't know that hospital. I don't, I trusted you. I trusted, that's why I brought my son here. In addition to me, you know, having a fun acting time there, I have made students cry. Oh, I believe it. Oh my gosh. And then you're always, as an actor, you're playing both worlds. I'm in the world of this character, but I'm also in the role of standardized patient and teacher. And like, how am I following the rules or responding to this person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, what, like, should I keep going? And I, I did, I decided to keep going. 
And after the encounter, I went out and one of their teachers who was watching us on the screens came up to me and was like, thank you so much for that because that reaction is so real. And that student really needed to have that moment, right? Because then the student was crying with me when I was giving them feedback too. And I was like, I don't know what to do. But they were like, they're like, no, no, no. Like it's a great learning and experience for them. That's for us to take care of. You don't have to be responsible for their feelings Mm -hmm. and their journey in med school. Right. And at least, you know, in the grand scheme of things for right now, even though that was a really emotional for them, at least they know it was still a fake scenario, but that now they'll be more prepared if and when that has to happen in real life. Well, and what it was a reminder for me too, as well, was that nobody's just in school. They're all themselves, right? There was something about that case or my portrayal or whatever that triggered something about their I later learned about their personal life or whatever that was like huge. You know, it wasn't about me. It was about the experience. And if you're going into medicine, you will have so many experiences. You really have to engage with yourself. I've got cousins who are nurses as well. So we talk Mm -hmm. about this all the time. Mm -hmm. Be sturdy on yourself and be in conversation with yourself so that you can deal with the chaos and the unpredictability of anything. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's, it's, it's so important. This is a little more on the fun side. This is also in a small group setting, and I love to do this one, is a patient who just doesn't quite have boundaries, meaning they are really friendly. So you get to be effervescent and, you know, gregarious, but so friendly, in fact, that they're finding out about the doctor. Like, I'm asking questions about the doctor, and at some point, I have to work up the way to asking them, you know, sometimes I smoke pot. Have you ever smoked pot? And, you know, even if the doctor has, or or the student doctor, I should say, there's sitting there in front of their peers and mentors. And so whether or not they have, like it's how they deal with it. And I have to, again, I work my way to that point. So it's not just a random, like ripping off the bandaid, creating this rapport. Like I'll talk about, you know, what workout routines and stuff like that. Like we're buddy buddies. And I just really enjoy that one because not only is it a great learning opportunity, but it's also just a fun one. You know, it's not super emotional. You know, going back to what I said earlier about being a chaos Muppet, Again, most of the cases, you're pretty compliant, and I'm a pretty bubbly, like, friendly person. And generally, it's like, okay, yes, like, oh, stand up? Yeah, sure. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I do have a couple of patients every now and then when I'm, especially in these learning groups, where I'm just like, I'll choose to be different with this. Not uncompliant, but maybe not friendly. One patient, he was born in Russia and emigrated when he was in grade school. Mm -hmm. So... So I put on a thick accent and, you know, play the role of don't understand English maybe so well and maybe I don't like answer the questions you ask me. (laughs) And they're like, you know, oh, so then they try to make small talk like, oh, like, how are you doing today? Not great. (laughs) You know, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Me too. Um, That's amazing. You know, can can you, uh, can you, can you lie back for me? Oh, oh, do you need some help? No, no. Oh, that's gotta be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I mean, you've obviously had some great times and really helpful, like when it comes down to it, and not only is it hopefully fulfilling to you, but really, really important, like learning opportunities for these students as they continue their career path as a medical professional. I mean, that's, it's huge to have these opportunities to work with actors that you just don't know, or people, not all of SPs are actors, but people that are acting such as these types of patients, and you never know what you're going to get. That's true. 
Yeah. So Tyler, thank you so much for sharing your stories and all of your wisdom with us as a SP and SPI, Standard Education Instructor. You can find Tyler at his website, tylerlherman.com. Very important with the L in there. And I we will link to that in our show notes as well. But he's also on social media on Instagram and TikTok at thundercurl. And if you're really interested in checking out his cute pup, it's the Covey Cam on Instagram for or Covey. So we will link to all of those. Thank you so much, Tyler. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Katie. This has been a blast. And thank you, Catherine, as well. Yes, yes, Catherine, our person that we never get to hear, but she's here. She's helping out and she's, she's doing a great job. The scenes, yeah. Exactly. Speaking of which, <laughs> you can find us, the Standardized Patients Podcast, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, at the Standardized Patients Podcast. Thanks so much to Randy Sharp for the use of our theme song, Mr. Gorita. And you can find their music at Artlist. And thank you, as Tyler already pointed out, thank you so much to Catherine Babalek for behind the scenes work, audio post-production, and our cover art. Now that's our show. So see you next time as we encounter more standards of standardized patient work. <laughs> <laughs>